Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio! Brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. I'm your host, John Johnson. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. can check us out on Spotify and iTunes and get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other things at Facebook.com slash Ballistic Radio. Coasting with me, the Danger Pixie, Melody Lauer. Hello. Hi. How are you? Don't ask me that question. Let's move on. Wow. <laughs> no one no one expects an honest answer. It's like the Spanish Inquisition. So, hey, guess what? What's that, John? This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And in a world when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition and LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, fire order case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday. It's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. Remember, unless you're on fire or drowning, you can never really have too much ammo. Look at that. Everyone was expecting all these qualifiers as to when you couldn't have too much ammo, and I switched it up. So anyway, it's a Facebook user question episode. It is. And I'm going to ask you, do you even have the questions up? Uh, I'm about to. <laughs> so give me, give me one I second. I knew that was going to happen. It's, it's updating now. Yes. Uh, and they're all on the bottom, by the way. So, but I guess we're supposed to be asking questions of, yeah. of, of each other and, and stuff and things. And We should. So wait, it's not a checklist anymore. <sighs> okay. I'll just delete them once. Fine. I'll ask a question from Matthew Petrie. Okay. Who's one of our former students. Hello, Matthew. He's going to be one of my students that's come at wait. No, we're time traveling. Yes. It's, he has been. He's a former he's a multiple former student. Three time student of ours. Mm-hmm. What if you changed your mind on the last six months, John? Um I've really come to the conclusion uh, that <clears throat> a lot of my deeply held beliefs about the way things should be done are not worth having deeply held beliefs over. Now, there are certain things that I think broke no compromises um, and how a, how a range should be run safety-wise, certainly one of those things. Um, how people conduct themselves uh, as far as trying to avoid self-defense encounters. Um, there, there's no room for compromise on that. You should absolutely be trying to avoid every possible fight that uh, comes your way. But as far as some of like the minutia of 
uh, how and what you carry, as long as it's not presenting a risk to other individuals around you, man, I'm I'm very much kind of a you do you. Uh, and I think that comes from some compromises that have needed to occur inside of my own personality to be able to teach with someone else that is also, um, you know, highly willed and opinionated. Uh, and I think some of that too is like for, for anyone that's been following me a little bit, um, you know, I've gotten into yoga uh, recently and some of the ways they describe that as far as it being a yoga practice and it's an individualized thing that sort of mirrors this own, uh, your own capabilities and, and personal circumstances. I think applying that to self-defense and it being a self-defense practice is a really good idea. And that's kind of how I've started to approach it. And if you need to make modifications based off of your own scenarios and situations um, that don't necessarily fit in with the modifications I need to make for my own lifestyle and resources and scenarios and whatever, um, yeah, rock on. How about you, Melody? What's something you've changed your mind on recently? Um, hmm. You know, I was thinking about that while you were, while you were answering. And I think in the last six months or so, um, just kind of maybe the level of, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Concern with which I worry about how other people are doing them. Uh, not, and not that I'm saying that I ever got intrusive about it. Like, I, you know me. I've never been like, well, you need to do it this way or you're going to be killed in the streets. It's never been my style. Um, but at the same time, you know, people do have a lot of different resources, different allocations. And I've I've tried very hard in the last six months to be – I've always tried to be mindful of where they were and their goals and their resources. But I think it's been more of a um, – a, okay, I, I can understand you now. Like, I can understand you're not here. So let's let's try and adapt this a little bit more to your actual circumstances, not just your not just your carry lifestyle or but maybe even your training. OK, you know, you don't have two days to give. So let's just work on an hour and let's see what 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 we have and that kind of stuff, you know, just being a little bit more flexible in that sense, which I felt like maybe I was before, but just trying to do it a little bit more now, you know. Well, so and Dakota Schaefer also asked that same question uh, of what did ah, we change your mind okay. on over the So we list. got multiples. Yes. So I want to give him credit too. Just credit words too. Right. Um, let me let's let's ask this. Uh, Andrew Sumhurst. Sean Sumhurst. What solutions would you suggest for those having issues with comfort or tolerance while carrying AIWB? And they honestly wanted to work for them. And I think you're a good person to ask. Um, so I, I'd start out with, uh, of course, asking what kind of holster they're using because – and we've talked about this on the show quite a bit. There are a lot of holster manufacturers that once AIWB became popular, they took their behind-the-hip holsters and just put an A in the front of it. So it was a standard IWB holster and they just suddenly put an A in front of it and started marketing it as an AWB, AIWB holster and it wasn't specifically designed for that position. And there are all sorts of problems with that. 
So I would ask first what kind of holster they're they're um, using and if it was specifically designed for that particular um, position. And there are lots of different ways that you can tell whether or not that is true. Um, after that, um, I would be looking at something <clears throat> like the rise of the pants and also the belt. Uh, he play a huge role in that kind of uh, in the comfort of your you know, of your carry and that kind of stuff. Because one of the things that I'm seeing over and over and over again, particularly with guys, interestingly enough, is that they wear their pants way too low. Like women have low rise pants, but they're they're designed to be low rise. Whereas men seem to just carry their pants low. You know why that is, right? It's, I, it's vanity sizing. Because like, so... How is that? I don't get that. Well, because um, a bunch of the dudes that I see doing that have guts and they will wear their their waistband underneath the gut around their hips because i i've been a size 38 since high school it's like okay but you got an extra four inches flopping over that 38 bro you know what i mean well or they'll be skinny and they'll wear pants that seems like they're too big and they're really saggy in the butt you know sorry but it's true um just wear your pants like putting your pants on your natural waistline seems to be a, a thing that is not done so much and that's going to it's going to affect how you are going to perceive comfort and uh and concealability and all that stuff um yeah it's your turn to ask a question it is okay um kevin spencer um if you want to really adopt the dot life would you be happy with an mos gun or would you rather have a custom-built slide, say, Boresight or ATEI? Is the cost difference worth the performance difference if there is any? Um, <clears throat> man, I don't know that I am qualified enough to answer that question. I have played with the milled guns. I have played with the MOS guns. I know that a lot of people have had problems in the past with the MOS guns for varying reasons. I have not encountered those problems. Um, I think that, yeah, there's a microphone there. You should stop hitting it. I think that, um, I think the advantage to the MOS over the milled guns, at least depending on which milling you're getting, is that if optic technology changes, you're not married to one optic. I know that Boresight is getting ready to, or maybe by the time this is, uh, airing, they've already done it, but they're going to start offering the Unity Tactical mount. Uh, on their guns, um, and I think that's the I think that's the correct answer, because you know right now the RMR is the optic du jour, but the Aimpoint um, optic looks very interesting, and I'm very interested to try that. And you don't know what's coming in the future, so uh, given the option, I would prefer not to be married to one optic. If that kind of you know, if that kind of makes sense. I don't. Do you have any thoughts on that, or you're like, <laughs> nope, nope. I'm like, I'm gonna ask a totally geary question and be like, ha. So there. Okay. So it's your turn. Ah, uh, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah, we do have a break. Thanks, Joe. Sorry, I I'm not paying attention. I'm horrible at my job, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories as well as the EDC X9, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So, before the break that I horribly missed, um, we were answering your questions, and we will continue to do that. So, from Ross Hick, is there a place for self-defense items that might not survive an ECQC class but are still useful day to day? You stole my question. I was gonna. I was gonna ask that too. So what's interesting? I read that question. I'm like, ooh, that is a really good question. But I kind of want to like have more elaboration. Like, what what does he mean by things that are still useful day to day today? So you know, like for instance, the, the thing that I'm thinking of that that's automatically coming to mind is like um, when people advocate like using your keys as a as a you know self defense tool or something like that, which um, ugh, don't get me started on that. But um, so that's kind of what comes to mind. I'm wondering if that's what he means. Like, what what do you think he means there in the question before we dive too deeply into I would it? actually say carry methods that don't necessarily. So like NPE carry methods, perhaps. Or... Uh, possibly. And uh, maybe. And it's kind of it's kind of tricky trying to answer a question that you don't fully understand. So, Ross, if 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 we butcher this one, we apologize. You'll just have to let us know because Ross always asks really good questions. So I know he'll be he'll be interactive there. But um, possibly, and if it's a, I think that when you get into something like a carry position or um, a deep concealment option or things like that, where, you know, if we're talking about an ECQC, which is extreme close quarters concepts, that has a, a pretty narrow focus in, in, in and of itself. It's you against someone who you are going to be interacting with in a face-on-face, you know, face-on-face. Face-to-face. You know, between... I mean, face-on-face happens there. Between three and five yards, you know, starting out, which is really close and, and personal. Um, but you're not considering things so much like... Uh, an active shooter kind of event or a workplace violence sort of thing or um, maybe a home invasion kind of thing, you know, where where you do have if you did have time, for example, to maybe you heard gunshots and you could get into a place of position of advantage and, and really have that time to get to a an off body carried firearm or a you know, deep concealment firearm, then. Uh, yeah, I think those would be viable there. But I think what we need to be really good as an industry and as as consumers at understanding is that when we choose things as a as a daily option that are suboptimal in our daily interactions, uh, we are going to be limiting our ability to use them, uh, which is something that I think sometimes People particularly first people aren't told that, you know, hey, or just just put it just put it in your pocket or just put it on your ankle or just put it here. And then it's it's made to look as though it's just as good as having a gun accessible on your on your waistband or whatever um, when that's not the case. And so, one, we have to be really good at telling people the truth about 
their every tool, whether that's pepper spray, whether that's, you know, we, we need to be able to tell them the truth about every tool that they're choosing and the limitations and then going, okay, um, these are the limitations of this tool. And because of that, I may have to choose a different option in this scenario. You know, this may not be available to me here. I might have to do this. Um, but in the in the slogan of the late Paul Gomez, um, as far as we're talking about items, uh, every every weapon or what is it? Every tool is a weapon if held right. If you hold it right. If you hold it right. If you're going to quote something, you got to know the quote. I, Jesus I'm, Christ. I'm pulling that out. You know, because I think the idea, too, that, that if you're being and we, we say this in the EMT world as well. If you understand the concepts of what you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to accomplish it, you can find creative ways to make that happen. Um, You know, if I want to choke you to death right here, right now, do I need to do that with my hands? No, I'm looking around. There's lots of cables. There's my jacket. I got a sweater. You know what I mean? Like if you know what you're trying to do and you know how to accomplish it, you can you can can make it work. You can make it work. Okay. Well, it's your turn to ask me a question. Well, I was going to say, what do you think? You covered it. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. Um, But now I'm not prepared, so elaborate. You should have prepared. Okay. All right. Um, Any particular, this is from Michael Ward, any particular class or practice that you feel has helped you develop the most or helped improve your skill set the most? Hmm. I'm going to say something and people are going to be like, whoa, uh, hot yoga, frankly, um, like the the practice of mindfulness and stillness and sort of turning attention inwards uh, has been incredibly helpful for me as far as um, the mindset that I'm trying to cultivate when I when I'm doing things right but to give a traditional answer, so like what class has been the most useful to me uh, in the gun world? Man, I've been to a lot of classes, so picking just one. <clears throat> I'm going to say ECQC, uh, and not because of the usual reason. A lot of people go to ECQC and have like this religious experience where it completely changes their life. Um, the reason, and, and ECQC was terrible for me, right? But the thing that I, there were two things that I found most useful about that. Um, one was being reminded of how horrible I actually am uh, as far as I had a very high opinion of myself when I, when I took that class that, that I immediately was dissuaded of, right? Uh, and then two, how Craig instructs. Craig is one of the best instructors in existence of any material I've ever seen, self-defense or otherwise, and specifically because of the deliberateness of every aspect of how he teaches. And that was super useful for me to see it early on. How about you, Melody? Um... You know, and and with with questions like that 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 are kind of uh, ambiguous as far as like helped you improve your skill set. Uh, well, skill set at what? Uh, you know, um, we you know I'm, I'm assuming you know the the craft of of shooting the craft of the gun. Um, 
you know, I think really the there have been so many classes. And in some cases, I think that that the when I started really taking multiple classes a year, it became a hindrance because I was trying so hard to implement everything that everyone told me that I was tripping over different techniques and I was tripping over and I was not making them my own. I was trying to adopt what everyone else was telling me. And in some cases, what people were telling me was contradicting and it was confusing and it was frustrating and it made me want to give up. And so in that case, and I'm not saying that classes are wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take classes, but when I went to Todd Green after that and I told him how confused and how frustrated I was, he Instead of taking that frustration and being like, yeah, that's really frustrating, he was like, this is an awesome place to be because now you can take all of that information, go out to the range and make it your own. And so the best practice, the classes were great and I learned so much, but the best thing that I did was to take that information, go out to the range by myself and just play with it, play with all of it. Hey, what does it feel like when I put my gun here? What if it what if I just completely break out of the box and and put my hand someplace really really weird? Okay, that didn't work, but now I had that experience and I got to and it, no one was standing over my shoulder going, "Oh my gosh, why are you doing it that way?" You know what I mean? Right. I went, I took it and I made it my own. And that was the best thing that I could do. Well, cool. Uh we are answering your questions. It is a Facebook user question episode. And I might uh, talk about what you just talked about, or I might not. And you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and elimination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment also brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200-lumen EDCL-2T handheld or 500-lumen EDCL-1T handheld to the 1000-lumen XH30 or the brand-new upgraded 1000-lumen X300 Ultra fits in all your old X300 Ultra holsters. Surefire can make sure you never have to yell, Aziz, light, ever again. Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. So... It's a Facebook user episode question thinger, and we are doing stuff like answering your questions. I don't know what language I was trying to speak, but whatevs. Um, it's my turn to ask you a question, isn't it? Were you going to elaborate there or no? Nah. Okay. Um, so from Joseph Young, because I want to answer this one after you do. Uh, what advice along the way has been beneficial to you in terms of thinking about self-defense, life in general, or the intersection between the two? Kind of segues into your last question. Um, yeah, I mean, I already said about how how Todd Green was just talking about making some, you know, making things that I've been taught my own. Um, but I think it, beyond that, too, um, it wasn't necessarily advice as so much as it was an example when I really started getting into this. And I've talked about this before, but um, you know, one of the first people I was introduced to really when I started doing this seriously was Greg Elephants. And I'd watch him go places where he couldn't have a gun, you know, traveling around the world where he couldn't have a gun. And instead of being like, oh, I can't go there because I can't carry my gun. I'm not going to go to that family reunion because I can't go carry my gun. My, my grandma doesn't want me to bring a gun there. He just went and lived his life right, and enjoyed it. And 
brought back memories that other people are like, well, I wish I could go do that. Well, then go and do it. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of one of the best examples of just like don't let your desire to protect your life keep you from living a life worth protecting. That's deep. That's did you did now was that a direct quote from him or did you just paraphrase or did you just I come just up pulled with that, that up wow. <laughs> okay so that's the show quote now and what's funny is you said that and then like there was this pause and you're like wait that was really good did wait, I say I, that? well I was like did that make sense I was thinking in my head like did that actually make sense yeah it actually did make sense okay, okay. yeah um so mine was from Pat Rogers and I uh, it's one of my favorite favorite memories of Pat and I was getting ready to do a shoot house run, and it's all spun up. And he he looked at me, and he goes, uh, I can't do his voice. I wish to God I could because it sounded way better coming uh, from him than it will from me. But he's like, you know, John, all pressure is internal. Pressure is an internal emotion. Nobody can Nobody can make you feel pressure but you. And that was like one of those light bulb moments for me as far as like the only thing that has power over us is what we choose to allow to have power over us, um, whatever it is, you know, what whatever it is, you know. Um, that is, at least as far as, um, as far as, you know, what, what am I tense about? What am I stressed about? Uh, I'm only tense and stressed about stuff that I decide matters to me, you know, or I decide the outcome matters to me. And and I found that incredibly useful. So I don't know. Okay. It's, it's, it's your turn. Yes, it is. Joe. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to pull this in closer because I'm like, oh boy. Wilkowitz? Wilkowitz. Willikowitz, Wilkowitz. Sorry, Joe. Just stop trying. I'm going to stop right now. Um, you've talked a lot about carrying OC spray, but not a lot about where the legal line is about its use. I've, I've bought into it and carry OC everywhere now because I like the opportunity it might open for disengaging from an encounter. Where is the line for deploying OC for you? Whenever I would be legally justified in touching someone. I mean, if if I think about, like, if, if I can, if we're at the level of force where I'm putting hands on you, I can spray you. That, and I would rather do that because I can make a strong argument that it's a lesser level of force than than hands. Um, you know, if I'm going to eye jab you or push you or, um, you know, punch you or something like that, all of those have potential uh, risk for death. I mean, unlikely. But but it's there. Um, I am not aware of, I'm not saying it's never happened, maybe there's been some sort of weird allergic reaction somewhere or another, but I'm not aware of a private citizen spraying somebody and they died. You know what I mean? Well, too, uh, the, the healing time. I mean, like, you know, if I, if I punch you in the face and break your nose, um, you know, I've, 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 altered possibly your your appearance there's going to be long if i pepper spray you in you know an hour two hours you're Long, longer than that yeah probably, i'm but. saying like the effects are going to start to wear off you take a shower you take more you know what i mean like 
And there's no long-term damage that's going to be done there. So that's why I think it's articulably a lesser level, lower level of force than than physical contact. Well, not only not only that, but it's less risk of injury, like to you, yeah, to me, Mm -hmm. to to them, to everybody, Uh, and also too the the legal trouble for getting it wrong is oftentimes less as well, depending on where you live, you know? So that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, let's see here. Hmm. From Travis Norkowski, over the years taking training classes, what notes, if any, did you take? What is important to note? What is your after-action report? Oh, wow. John's asking that of me, knowing that I carry around a notebook with me everywhere. I take notes on everything. Um, I think note taking in general, not just for things, you know, not just for classes and stuff, but I find note taking in general is exceptionally important. And it's one of those things that, um, you know, we had to do it in school for certain things. And I it's a it's a trip. training thing that I think has been really helpful throughout my entire adult life. Um, But I have taken notes on everything. I've taken notes on everything from what people have said to, um, you know, actual key points where they've said, hey, write this down. Hey, if someone tells you write this down, you can probably write it down. Um, So as far as... um, I think it's really important if you're if you're talking like, OK, I'm just starting out this note taking thing. You know, um, I think it's really important to try and get the highlights, you know, um, whether that is the name of a drill that you're about to do and why it's important um, or the you know, what what are we doing now? And, or you know, if someone if someone starts out the class, we're going to talk about the fundamentals of, of concealed carry in this class. OK. Make sure that at least at the end of the class, you go up to them and say, OK, throughout the course of the class, you talked about this is a fundamental, this fundamental, this is a fundamental. Um, am I missing any? And if they go, oh, yeah, and that's a really good point for them. Hey, if, if I'm not communicating well enough what my, my actual key points are, how do I know that my students are picking them up? And um, so I think that's really if, if someone tells you, hey, this information is important or this is the core of the class, obviously, if you're taking notes, make sure you get that down. As far as an after-action report, I, I've read after-action reports that are all kind of like scientific data. You know, this was the weather. This was the, the you know, the ammo that I was using. And this was the grain. You know what I mean? It gets into very much of a of basically just a reporting of what happened impartially. I'm a little bit different in that when I do notes, I like to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, this contrasts or this this backs up something that I've learned before. Or if I'm taking a class from someone and there's something that I'm like, "Mm, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I'll put a question mark next to it and say something like, you know, research more later or where did they get this idea from? Um, why do they believe this versus this? What kind of concept would I use? You know, that kind of, I I question myself. Um, This isn't what I learned here. Go back, read the notes, have a conversation with so-and-so. And that way I can evaluate 
if what I'm learning is really stacking up with what I've learned before and it keeps me engaged to the point where I'm constantly listening for um, not necessarily to disagree with someone, but I'm listening for things that I'm going, hmm, do I believe that and why do I believe that? And that's been a really big driving factor for me. But everyone does their kind of note-taking different. What about you, John? I'm really horrible at uh, taking notes even a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, and it's funny. So I, I, I'm okay if I have a computer in front of me. Like I can – like my handwriting is terrible. It is. Um, I, I – my handwriting is just terrible. Like – so the speed with which I need to write versus the speed with which I need to write to understand my own handwriting are two separate things. So I need to I really need to type to to do notes if I'm gonna do it. But anyway, we gotta go to break. Uh we are answering your questions. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from Surefire at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and now you need an RMR on your pistol? Ha ha! BigTexOutdoors.com has those! Glock accessories? Yes! Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more! And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike! He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So, we are answering your questions, or at least pretending to. It's a Facebook user question extravaganza. And I believe it is my turn to ask you a question or your turn to ask me a question. I believe it's your turn to ask me. Or I'm sorry, my turn to ask you. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Kevin Crichton asked, uh, John Korea reviews of uh, violent encounters show that in many instances, a stealthy draw is as valuable a skill as a fast draw when it comes to getting a firearm into play. There are pages and pages of information out there on how to improve the speed of your draw. What are some ways that we can begin to develop an unobtrusive, unnoticed draw? Uh, force on force is is really the... So <clears throat> there are a couple of elements here, right? Uh, Melody and I actually teach the surreptitious draw in our class. Um, and Kevin took our class, but I think he had to leave um, before we got to that part. Uh, but it's it's incredibly important to understand what works and what does not work in that situation. Uh, force on force is where you're going to test that out. But some concepts to consider. If you are moving without permission, that is likely to result in you getting shot uh, if, if a gun is present, right? Um, if you are openly carrying a firearm and begin to move towards that gun while someone is paying attention, uh, you are likely to get shot. And I'm not commenting on my thoughts on open carry or, or not, right? 
But I'm just just saying, if someone knows you have a gun and you start to go for it, um, you've got to be faster than they is, and you're not. I'll tell you right now, you're not. Nobody is. Um, that having been said, if you can create a situation where you pre-establish um, a grip on the gun, that can really work well for you. And you do that through a visual screen or through scepterfuge. Uh, here, I'll give you whatever I want. Okay, I'm going to get you my wallet, whatever. Get permission to move. Here's the other thing, too. That doesn't work even a little bit if somebody's already attached to you. So if someone is physically touching you and you go for the gun, it is now a we gun. It's not a you gun. It's not a they gun. It's a we gun. Um, and how that ends up at the end is, you know, going to be based off of a lot of things. But where do you develop that? Um Force on force is where you test it. Maybe go to Toastmasters, like uh, learn how to speak and improvise in front of people. Learn how to learn how to develop verbal agility, how to think on your feet. Um, that would probably be my suggestion. What about you, Melody? What do you think? I, yeah, I think uh, your your force on force is going to be a good place for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, honestly, and I hadn't really thought about this. Now I'm going to actually have to think about it a little bit more. Um, sleight of hand, uh, because if you talk to anyone who does any kind of like magic tricks and misdirection, um, a lot of what that is, is kind of, you know, misdirecting people's attention to what you want them to so that you can do something with another hand. Um, and I'm going to have to look more into that, but I'm just thinking of like your street mag- magicians and how they work. Well, and so, not that I'm saying you have to be a magician to do it. but um, So when I've pulled it off successfully, I, w- I was giving the individual that I successfully implemented against something else to look at, mm-hmm. very on purpose, um, in, in conjunction with a visual screen. Now, there were other issues with that, so I don't want to imply like I did this amazing thing in Force on Force. I actually don't think I handled it nearly as well as I could have. Um, given better planning, but for purposes of discussing a surreptitious draw, uh, that was implemented about as well as that can be implemented, in my opinion. So, and that was a combination of a visual screen and misdirection. So that's that's kind of kind of my thoughts on that. Now I need to figure out a question to ask Melly. I was going to ask one that was like. Um, uh, clearly for me, just because it would have been funny, but I'm not going to do that. So, uh, Chad Strickland asks, when giving instruction to a group for basic concealed carry, which neither one of us currently teaches that class right now, um, but other than safety, what is the one concept thing, idea you make sure not to forget that others do forget? Hmm. I mean, we can't, I don't know what others forget. Yeah, you can't, you can't prove what someone else forgets most of the time. Um, but one thing that I have seen over and over and over again, because when I first moved to, to the state that I'm moving in now, my hobby was to go around to all the local instructors and take their basic pistol classes or their concealed carry classes. The vast majority of them that I, I just wish they would talk about, uh, even a little bit, is the actual concealed carry draw because that's the the vast majority of those people that leave that class are going to be carrying a firearm concealed uh, underneath of clothing. And yet if they go to a class at all, they're all 
open carrying or they're doing work from a bench or, you know, and they won't even let them draw from a holster. Um, I've actually even been to places where the range will not let the concealed carry class draw from holsters. And it's like we are preparing these people to go out and carry a gun concealed on their person, but we're not teaching them one of the most dangerous parts of the entire process to themselves. I believe personally that that is negligent Mm -hmm. on the instructor's parts or on the facility's parts. If you are going to be teaching a concealed carry class that is supposed to be preparing people to carry a firearm concealed, you should be going over drawing a firearm and holstering a firearm from concealment. And that is something that I touch in every single one of my classes, uh, range permitting, unless it's just like a lecture only thing that doesn't have range. If it has range and they tell me that I can't do a draw stroke, I'm not teaching there. Sure. Um, The negative consequences of using violence against another human being, whether or not you had to do it, I think that would be... Um, the, the biggest one that I run into is, is that, uh, man, I'm a, I'm gonna be a hero if I have to do this. Like, nope, a bunch of people are going to think you were wrong and you're going to have the potential to lose everything you own. And half your friends are going to go, you're a murderer. And then just, I mean, if none of those things happen, that's awesome. And that's ideal, but at least preparing for the possibility that that's, uh, something that could occur, you know, there's. I don't I don't know that there's enough discussion of the negative outcomes uh, that are are possible. You know, I know Claude Werner talks about it a lot. I know you and I talk about it a lot, but I don't necessarily see as many other people. Well, I mean, that's changing more and more now, but uh, I don't see as many people talking about it as, as I would like. We got like a minute and a half left. Do you got one more question I can I do. hit real quick? Well, I don't know if you can hit it close, but... Um... Snub nose, short barrels, best ammo from Christopher. Go. No, not even going to try. <laughs> no, no. You failed. Failed in your last minute question selection process. Okay. How do you train in colder months? Uh, I don't know. Wear gloves. That's, that's pretty <laughs> much TGA. it. Yeah. Understand how to safely reholster uh, through multiple layers. And here, uh, cold weather tip. If your base concealment layer is the longest layer, then it should clear exactly the same as everything else, assuming you've got enough stretch in the material that you're wearing, uh, assuming you're carrying appendix, right? And if it doesn't, then you can always go for the uh, the belly button sternum grab and just lift straight up, and hopefully everything clears with it. But that's all we got time for, right? So make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page, at Facebook.com slash radio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. Remember, you can listen to us on Spotify now. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.